If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is all theater. It's all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Let me tell you that Supreme Court justices have the life. On one hand, they get to completely remake the fabric of American society with just a few opinions here and there expand or take away rights, depending on what that case is. And then as soon as that term is over, usually in late June, they get to break for the rest of the summer and even a little bit of the early fall before their next term starts in October. The justices make appearances in law schools, at seminars, in sort of nice places to be. We're going to talk about all that with Todd Ruger, our legal affairs editor here at CQ Roll Call. Todd, welcome back to Political Theater. Hi, Jason. Great to be here. So the Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, has joked in the past about how Supreme Court justices and school children are the only ones who really get all all summer off. Uh, And basically, he's kind of right. I mean, once the term ends, uh, regardless of how momentous it has been, and this past term was quite momentous, uh, particularly with the Dobbs case, which overturned Roe versus Wade and expansion of gun rights in, in New York and so forth, just to name a couple. And then they get to just split. <laughs> like they, they don't have to even, I mean, I, I guess you could, they could go back to the court for, you know, to play some, uh, some summer basketball in the, in the basketball court there in the, in the Supreme court, uh, confines, but it's not exactly the friendly confines these days with the fencing and, uh, and protesters and, and so forth. Uh, but they, they get to like basically hit the road. Yeah. I'm going to add one more group that gets uh, a little bit of a summer break feeling and that's, uh, reporters who cover the Supreme Court. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I told several people this last week, um, you know, there, there is no closer feeling to that last day of school when the summer's in front of you um, as an adult, as when you're covering the Supreme Court and you're cramming for the finals, you know, all these big consequential cases at the end of the term. And then uh, they, they deliver these cases and you re- report on them and then you are free as well because um, it's three months until they take the bench again. Everybody cues up Al- Alice Cooper, you know, school's out, right? <laughs> yeah, you take, the, you take the docket sheets and you throw them in the air as you run <laughs> out of your building. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a good feeling. Um, it, it, you know, the, there is a lot of, you know, that's from a like personal work standpoint. But there's a lot of ill feeling in the country about what happened at the end of the term. There, you know, not only the Dobbs case that you mentioned, which is overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, giving the states control of abortion uh, laws again, any restrictions they want to put on it, sparking a lot of protests, sparking uh, legislatures to to do both things, try to protect uh, abortion rights in their state or 
you know, further restrict abortions in their state. There was the there was the gun ruling, uh, which expanded Second Amendment rights to carry a handgun in public at the same time amid a, this latest rash of, of mass shootings, including one on July 4th uh, at a parade in Illinois. So while the feeling is good, personally, like the, the feeling in the country is not good. And again, the, the justices, unlike even Congress, I mean, th- things have been tense in Congress for a long time. They've been tense at the White House. You know, we've seen, you know, sort of an unprecedented amount of ill will, you know, at, at, at both, you know, both political parties and both the White House and, and Congress. I, you know, something that a, a friend of mine told me that was, it just sort of encapsulated sort of this feeling of just raw kind of tension in the country, which is that frequently I've, I've been making this trip to upstate New York somewhat regularly over the last few months uh, for uh, some some family reasons. And in Scranton, uh, where Joe Biden is from, the president of the United States, uh, they, they have a President Biden Expressway. And this friend of mine was telling me that when he was dropping his kids off uh, at, at their camp in the Poconos uh, and driving through that area, he saw uh, several people in the in the underneath the signs, like stick their hands out their window and flip off, you know, a sign that said President Biden Expressway, which it, it just one, it just seems kind of petty and childish and also like somewhat dangerous. Like that stretch of I-81 is incredibly tense and, and like people are like moving at really high speeds in the mountains. And it's just it's just like that just seems like where we're at. Were, were they Republicans or Democrats? Uh- <laughs> Because, I mean, you, right now you have Democrats are sort of upset at Joe Biden for, for what they feel is not doing enough to react to this abortion decision that they had months of warning on because the, there was a leaked copy. I mean, speaking of the leaked copy, you've, you've got a cloistered, you have a typically cloistered Supreme Court anyway, right? Like they're, they like to kind of just like, you know, not interact with the public as much. They don't like to testify on the Hill. They like to... Um, kind of stay aloof. Um, and and that leaked opinion put them under more scrutiny. Um, it was the first time in modern history there was a leak of a draft like that. And they have now are doing an internal investigation to find out who did it. Clerks, justices, they put Supreme Court or fencing around the Supreme Court building itself. There were protesters at the homes of justices. Congress passed a law to protect the families of justices. Uh, which, you know, that was incredibly fast for Congress to do that. And so these these are people that are not used to being in the spotlight that are now really in the spotlight um, this summer. And to a certain degree, too, it perhaps was inevitable that the Supreme Court would be viewed as this more political place than it has in the past. Because, I mean, let's let's be honest, like with usually there's one or two terms or one or one or two cases that can capture the public's attention in any given term. And while consequential, like you say, when the, the court basically legalized same-sex marriage or upheld the Affordable Care Act, this is the first time that the first sort of charge of a remade Supreme Court that has been sort of years in the making. And to get there, there was some very raw politics employed, particularly to get Neil Gorsuch on the bench when Mitch McConnell refused to even have a hearing for Merrick Garland, who had, President Obama had nominated to replace Antonin Scalia in 2016. And then Amy Coney Barrett, you know, who was 
nominated uh, to replace by uh, Donald Trump when he was president to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who had died uh, right before the election, after some states had already started uh, voting. I'm not, and I'm not saying that this makes it okay, you know, that the, the, this tension or this vitriol that is being directed now at the justices that was previously more reserved for Congress and the president, but they are now in the spotlight because of the politics that have shaped the court. And now they are weighing in on topics that are there is no way to see them but political, like with abortions and guns. Well, well, yes, and I, I agree with that. And the other thing that that they're doing is sort of flexing their muscle and stepping in and and, and doing things that Congress hasn't been able to do, which is you know like abortion policy. They are putting themselves more into sort of an active role in how the the legal landscape is. Um, and, and to, to that point, I mean, I'm not even sure how much of a break they'll get because some of the stuff that they did this term is already setting off all these things that I said, like the state laws on abortion, state laws on guns. And the way that the stalemate in Congress, the partisan stalemate in Congress has, has been on some of these things, the continued focus on the court only seems to be ramping up because that's where all these policy issues get settled ultimately. Like Congress isn't doing anything. So the states are doing it. There's lawsuits. Last term uh, or last summer, they, they got a request, an emergency request to stop a Texas law from going into effect, uh, abortion law that essentially prior to the this decision that they did in June, stopped abortions after six weeks in Texas. And it was contrary to all of the precedents, and they made them illegal. Not necessarily stopped abortions, but at least made them illegal. Correct. <laughs> so. Well, it made it made it so that uh, the abortion clinics didn't want to risk right. the big fines that that this law had. You know, at least ten thousand dollars for every time you assisted mm-hmm. a woman in having an abortion, and then they could be filed over and over and over. So it was almost like no limit to to the fines, and so that you know it closed down, shut that, shut it down. The, the uh, women went to other states, etc. And so I think, you know, that was something that happened over last summer and they didn't step in, um, but they had, they basically made this decision on this emergency docket. And, and you might see emergency docket petitions bubbling up from these states on abortion, contraception, traveling, you know, some law tra- traveling interstate to get an abortion. Uh, somebody might challenge that and it gets, you know, goes through speeds through the court. And so they might not even get a, uh, uh, much of a, a break. They might have uh, stuff com- coming at them all summer that's contentious. My God, they might have to work 12 months. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk in a situation in a more genteel time, though. I mean, a lot of these, uh, a lot of a lot of the justices would, you know, perhaps take a little break. Uh, I know Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to go to Cooperstown, where I have uh, friends and family, and and partake of the opera at the Glimmerglass uh, House Opera House, uh, in, right on Lake at Seago and, and outside of Cooperstown. But then several of them would take place in, you know, they would, they would do these seminars, or they would teach a, a law school, you know, class at, uh, you know, a, a university that has some sort of meaning to them, or is just in their hometown, or, or you know, maybe their alma mater. And we're already starting to see, and we'll, we'll talk about some of those, exactly what they've done or, or, uh, with a few uh, sort of notables in the past, but we're already seeing that there maybe is a spillover effect on, again, the, the Supreme Court sort of taking uh, its, its turn in the spotlight in politics that Clarence Thomas, who has typically taught a uh, class uh, or a seminar at George Washington University, oh, sorry, the George Washington University. <laughs> 
over the summer, there are petitions now that he should not teach. Uh, what, what do we know about, about that? Because I know that there were several law students who said that they did not want Thomas to, to teach there and even some professors sort of expressing some misgivings about it. Yeah, well, so this is um, basically setting up for fall semester. He taught there in fall of 2021. Um, he's scheduled to teach there again in fall 22, according to this letter from the students at the law school. Um, and so they called on the, the the law school to terminate the relationship with Thomas. So this isn't a summer thing per se, but as I, I didn't mean to misspeak there, but it, was, it is a gig, sort of a side gig. I don't know when that term starts, but it would the Supreme Court term doesn't start till the first Monday in October. And so the, if the class is taught in August or September, then then it would be it would count as the summer, I think. Isn't first Monday the, the the name of a really favorite movie in your in your repertoire uh, with with Walter Matthau? Uh. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, go watch it. It's on. Uh, you can rent it. Um, but they, uh, yeah. They, so so they said they, basically he sh- he shouldn't teach anymore because his actions have violated the school's moral code. Basically, his actions as a Supreme Court justice. They mention you know, his wife and, and some of the connections between the January 6th attack on the Capitol and the planning and who she was in contact with in the administration and, and the challenges to legal stuff, you know, that sort of stuff they mentioned. But what they really kind of focus on is the abortion decision that he signed on to. They say that that opinion directly and negatively affects students. It, it undermines the rule of law. They said it damages public confidence that the law applies equally and then demonstrated a contempt for basic constitutional rights. So they're basically saying, like, he's tarnishing the law and we're about the rule of law and he shouldn't teach here if he's going to be doing these things that aren't following the rule of law, in their opinion. And it wasn't just the abortion decision that that has sort of attracted people's attention about what Thomas said in his concurring opinion in the Dobbs case. He said that Using the same the approach that we took uh, in the Dobbs case to overturn Roe versus Wade, we should reexamine cases that granted rights on same-sex marriage, uh, access to contraception, things like that. And and it that I think that if the abortion ruling that attracted a lot of attention, obviously, particularly with students and so forth, but like the, those also, you know, were seemed to, to turn a, a five-alarm fire into a ten-alarm fire for a lot of the, the his critics. Right. He did what uh, what um, many justices do, which is sort of call for a case to be brought. And th- and there's no no real doubt in my mind that somebody will, will bring these cases. Uh, the court will have to deal with them in some way uh, in the future. That's Justice Thomas's, you know, sort of episode of what he'll uh, need to uh, address or actually he may not need to address it at all. The university is uh, so far has sort of said that, like, they would like to you know keep him in their the relationship going, uh, the, uh, the, even though the students want to redefine the relationship, so to speak. Well, well, they're facing the same thing that many universities are facing all over, which is, you know, protecting the, the ability for professors to teach openly uh, about ideas that they believe uh, in the face of criticism of those ideas. Um, you know, the, the higher education exchange of ideas concept. Um, and so they, they wrote, um, a response, uh, to an email, um, in response to this online petition. And they basically say that like all faculty members at the university, justice Thomas has what they say, academic freedom and freedom of expression and inquiry. And they're not going to cancel his employment or his class in response to his legal opinions. So they're, they're sticking with him, which I don't, I don't think is that 
uh, controversial, to be honest, uh, that that they're going to allow a Supreme Court justice to teach law. It, it just might get a little dicey, you know, if, if there are protesters that show up <laughs> at, at, at class. Uh, so, to, you know, because I mean, I, I would imagine that there are probably enough people who would want to take a class with Clarence Thomas that they probably won't have trouble filling the seats in, in that particular class. But it's just what happens then afterward, which gets into the, you know, this, again, these, these questions of security, like how how much is the university going to tolerate in terms of like people freely expressing their own, you know, rights to protest and, you know, how far does that go? Uh, like when do they make when do they determine that it's gone too far or it's created a dangerous situation for students or for the justice himself? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, though, that this is getting a lot of attention. I, I think, you know, when you talk about, well, what's the mainstream, what's the mainstream law? You know, what is mainstream law? You have this tension in the abortion case where uh, the the mainstream law is basically there are, there are five justices that said we're going to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and a sixth justice that said I-, I might have, but I wouldn't have in this case. So so there's more justices on the Supreme Court who decide what the law is. That's, that's sort of the mainstream thought, uh, but that's conflicting with um, some polls, p- opinion polls about what people think the Supreme Court should be doing about Roe v. Wade or what the law on abortion should be. So there is this big conflict between, and, and that too with the court, um, on guns, there's a conflict between what the public thinks should be done with gun laws and arguably what the Supreme Court did with the gun law. So so it's it's just creating this um, this conflict that that it's like, well, he, he's not an extremist. If you think about it in the terms of he's in the majority of the Supreme Court, like that's what the majority of legal thought is at that level right now. So I don't see that conflict going away either anytime soon. So this could be kind of a turning point, you know, particularly with, you know, like the way, you know, justices get around, you know, just literally like they, they in the past, if you recognize the Supreme Court justice or if you could name all nine Supreme Court justices, you were in a, a very small minority of the, of the population. Uh, they're more recognizable. They're under more threats. As you said, Congress actually passed legislation, something they don't do uh, a, a lot of these days uh, to beef up security for justices. So it could mean that they changed their patterns. And when you inquired to the Supreme Court about what they might be doing, what some of the justices might be doing, uh, whether it's, uh, I don't know, teaching volleyball at Rehoboth or <laughs> or uh, a law seminar uh, in, in Europe, uh, you got what kind of reply from the court? Well, I did not hear back. I mean, that, that's not atypical. And I looked around um, to see who had reported on what the justices were doing this summer, and I didn't see some of the typical you know, explanations of what they were doing. There was a place, uh, a website called SCOTUS Places, but they don't seem to be have updated. And um, <laughs> the AP usually does a, a good job of saying like, this is where the justices might be going this summer. And I didn't see one from them this year. I might've missed it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I don't think they're really excited about, um, you know, broadcasting where they're going. And this does bring up the the question of like, where they might be going. So what are some of the examples of what some of the justices have done? We've talked and we sort of joked about this being sort of a cushy, cushy thing, but like, what are, what are some examples of what justices have done in the past, which would qualify as like, Oh, that would be nice, nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the ones that, but there was well, justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, when she was on the court, she's the late uh, justice now, but she went to, for instance, a couple of years ago, she went to Rome for uh, Loyola University Chicago's summer law program, 
and she, you know, she talked about uh, the court and the Constitution. And uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch that same year went to uh, Italy to teach um, for George, Ma- George Mason University's law school, um, national security law, you know, in Italy. And then probably one of the, the most well-known ones among the court, because he did it like every year for many years. But uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy went to Salzburg, Austria, uh, and would teach there, you know, as part of a law school as well. So, you know, they're not, you know, sticking around the sweltering heat of Washington, D.C. in August and September. And and I can certainly vouch for wanting to be in Salzburg this time of the year. Uh, it is, it's quite, quite beautiful. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there. It was the 1990s, but uh, they, it, it there are parts of it that are a little cheesy, uh, being Mozart's hometown, uh, but it's it's also quite beautiful. Weather is pretty nice, and there's also this this crazy amusement park called Hellbrun. I don't even know if it's still there, uh, where it, it it's 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 so I would say German, but it's Austrian. It, it's so Austrian, like sort of weird, dry humor. You go through this place, and you and you have guides talking about you know, this medieval architecture and how people, you know, like sat at these tables or whatever, and they invite you to sit and then like water squirts out at you, like from the, from the, you know, the chairs or from like different jets in the side of the walls. And, and they, they don't break character at all. They just keep on talking about this. Like it's the most normal thing that like statues just like will squirt water at people walking through (laughs) this, this like tour. Uh, it's absolutely absurd uh, and kind of a fun summer thing. So, if I could be in Salzburg for the next three months, uh, I, I I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind that. That wouldn't be so bad. It's all the short drive uh, or train ride to the uh, Alpine Lakes in the area too. So, highly recommended. It sounds like a nice distraction from from the current political situation in DC. You know, just getting water squirted at you sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to getting, you know, opinions screamed at you. <laughs> uh, well, Todd, thanks for uh, uh, keeping an eye on this. I uh, I hope that the shadow docket doesn't keep you and your team too too busy uh, in in the coming months before first Monday of the next term. And I know that uh, later on this month you're going to be doing a webinar with Mike McInerney about a, ter- a wrap up of the term, a preview of the next term, and also just the the new sort of place that the the court finds itself in, in in a webinar for, for CQ roll call. So I look forward to that, but I, I wanted to get in the, the, what I did this summer part of the, of the agenda for the Supreme court just uh, before got too late into the summer. So thank you very much. Sure. Yeah. We'll still be working. 